Guru Nation. Welcome to episode 537 of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. In this episode, I interview ECRG, world-famous ECRG elite clinical research group from YouTube, as well as his own podcast. Link to the YouTube channel of ECRG in the show notes. We talked about a lot. We talked. We, we got a little controversial on this one with a... Uh, a little bit COVID related stuff, a little bit remote monitoring type of stuff. Then we also discussed a lot uh, his career, how he got started, what he recommends others do on a daily basis as he consults clients. He advises people all the time on career related questions. And we talk a little bit about the future of research and what that entails as well. So uh, check it out. Links in the show notes to his YouTube channel. Also link in the show notes to my CRA and CRC Academy. If you're interested in that, definitely check it out. Uh, Text me if you need help getting studies for your site or anything else for your site for that matter. We do low monthly rates for clients as far as our consulting services. Text me 949 415-6256. And without that being said, I hope you enjoy the show with ECRG. Take care. Hey, Guru Nation. Welcome back to another episode of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. I've got someone that you might be familiar with, you should be familiar with. He's ECRG. ECRG, can we please get a special introduction, the patented introduction from you, please? Hey guys, thanks for having me on, Dan. It's ECRG here, back with another episode, this time with Dan from the Clinical Trials Guru. Or do you still go by that? Mm-hmm. You're still the guru, right? Mm-hmm. You, well, mm-hmm. You're the guru to me anyway. Um, <laughs> thank you. You're still the guru. Thank but you. Yeah, thank thanks you. for having me on. It has been a while. Um, hopefully we get to do more of these uh, coming up here. Because um, I definitely like uh, you know talking with you. You always got some good perspective on the industry and you're always working on some interesting stuff. Yeah, man. Uh, Thank you. Likewise, I know you've been doing um, a lot of videos and I tell everybody, you know, who in my YouTube uh, premium memberships and also in the um, uh, various academies like Latinos in Research, CRA, CRC Academy, all that stuff. I tell people, look, you should actually follow ECRG because he talks all the time about careers and different things like that on his channel. He's a CRA who creates content like all the time about being a CRA and what that means. And, uh, how's that, how is the channel growing for you? Um, I guess we'll start there. Um, I could grow it a lot more (laughs) if I was uploading, able to upload every single day. Um, I do have a lot of other things I'm kind of working on too, on the side. So I just want to like, you know, I keep it once, once a week now I can for sure get an upload in once a week, every once in a while I'll do maybe twice a week. Um, so, yeah, gonna, I mean, the channel's gonna, going great. I think, I, I was going to say, I think one of the benefits of doing content in this industry is it's very niche. So there's not a lot of other creators and not a lot of other creators that can do it consistently. It's pretty much you and me that can do it consistently as far as I've seen so far. But that's the key to success in YouTube is being able to do it consistently. Consistent. I think a lot of people don't understand. Chris and I had a podcast yesterday, like why CRAs, you know, want to start their own sites and why it's not guaranteed just because you're a senior CRA, it's not guaranteed you're going to have a successful site. Like a lot of CRAs I noticed are like entitled that they know a lot about research. You know, a lot doesn't mean you're going to do it, be a good site owner. But basically what it boils down to is you CRAs, that's like 
you're working like easily 60 hours a week, right? On average. Is that right? Yeah, if you include travel in there, for sure. If you include travel. So then on top of that, for someone to do a YouTube channel, which like you said, I mean, that alone could be a full-time job. It is for many people. I know for me, I spend maybe 20 hours a week, if not more, just on the YouTube. So for a CRA who's already putting in like 60 hours a week to put in like, let's say another 10 or 20 that's, I mean, you're basically like productive every waking hour you have, basically. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, pretty much. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, I also do on top of the YouTube channel. I also do a lot of client work too. You know, resume reviews, interview preparation. We do um, career consultation, just to talk to me on the phone and stuff like that. So uh, I do a lot of that on the side, and we've helped a lot of people with that um, as well. Um, that's good. Yeah, so I, uh, I, I love doing that. You've been a CRA now for because I remember we, ha- you know, we've talked a lot over the years, but I've I've seen you go from what was it, in-house CRA to CRA. I, went, I was a project specialist first, or project manager assistant, or project coordinator, whatever the the name is, based on whatever company you're working for. Um, and I went to an in-house CRA and then a CRA. So, I, and I really started Dan. Before that, as a contractor, that was my first role, just uploading documents into the TMF and naming them. I was getting paid, I think, $12 an hour to do that. So that's how I really got my start. So I really started from the bottom um, in the industry. And that was only a three-month contract. It was not guaranteed after that. They made no guarantees. It happened to get um, extended for another month. Um, But that's how I started. So people, that's important that you bring that up. And we're going to get into your career a bit and we're going to get into some controversial stuff. But people, this is a perfect illustration of uh, why or how detailed research is. You started out naming files in trial master file systems. Exactly. Even doing something like that, I think people just... People who don't know, they just assume, okay, well, there's this trial master file system. Everything gets uploaded. No, you have to be org- – it has to be named to a certain way. There's a format you got to follow. Can you explain just like just that little activity alone that so many people overlook, the amount of detail that has to go into that, just naming a file? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's literally how I started in this industry. Um, Naming a file. Yeah. I mean, typically you're going to put, um, there's like a study number. So let's just say it's like, uh, one Oh two or something as a study number. So you typically put that first, then you put the site number, then you put the PI's last name, then you put the, what the document is. Then there might be some like other subset information you'd put after that. And then typically you're going to end it with a date. Um, and so I typically like to name my documents so I don't have to actually look at the document. I can just look at the title and know exactly what it is. Um, so that's typically the best way to do it. Save yourself a lot of time and effort rather than having to go and read through every document. Yeah. Um, but every, <laughs> it's just crazy. Cause every, every, uh, study is kind of different depending on the quality of the people that are uploading the documents. So I, for example, looked at certain TMFs and they have no naming in there. Um, so obviously I'm not going to go in there and name the documents now as a CRA. I mean, they no naming convention. So there's yeah, CROs that, wow. Well, uh, yeah. Well, 
I'm not going to say that's the CRO's policy, but that's just what people are doing. <laughs> so, so no one's enforcing that at that CRO. Someone's dropping Correct. the ball somewhere. Correct. Exactly. Um, so someone's dropping the ball somewhere. And so, you know, if, if the client wants all their documents named in a, appropriately, then someone's got to go in there and do it. And um, that's pretty much why they hired us Wow! Uh, over the summer. That's how I got my start. So... So that was your first research job ever was, uh, yeah. wow, okay. It's almost yep. like a SWAT team for naming the files in a TMF. That's exactly what it was. I mean, yeah. we, did, we did some other things too. Like we'd reach out to sites and collect documents that were missing and things like that. But the, primor- the primary task was naming documents and uploading them into the TMF. Wow. That was the primary okay. task. So how long so, did you do that before you got to project management assistant or associate? I did that... About four months, um, but while, like you always talk about in your videos, as soon as you get some experience, change your resume. So I was doing that. I was probably in that job a week, and then I updated my resume. <laughs> um, I updated my resume, and I was starting applying aggressively. So we've talked previously about two hundred jobs. I was applying aggressively, and I keep that mentality still to this day when I'm looking for jobs too. And I tell my clients all the time: keep that same energy and that same mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, because, because that's really going to, uh, take you far and get you to what you want to do quicker, even though it should be a lot easier now that you've got experience. Um, you still want to keep that same energy and aggression. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's actually a really good point. So I've noticed from like our CRA Academy students, you know, or even people who want to, who are considering it. And I'm sure you have too, for your consulting for, uh, for your career coaching, um, they underestimate the majority of people underestimate just how many places you're going to have to apply to. They just assume, you know, maybe five or 10 is okay. Um, and then they start getting discouraged after that number. And it's like, you haven't even scratched the surface yet. Exactly. You haven't, you haven't even put in any work yet. I mean, that, <laughs> that's one day's worth of work. That's before lunchtime, Dan. <laughs> that's pra- that's practice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So your career route after the TMF, you went project management assistant. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I did. I did that. I did that for a year and a half, maybe or so. Okay. And then and then I did in house CRA, and I did that because I knew I wanted to be a CRA. And at the company I was at at the time, um, those type of roles they did have a pathway to get to CRA, but um, in that particular department, it wasn't as easy to get to the CRA role because of the experience. They mostly wanted oncology and uh, Alzheimer's people, hmm. like people that were that were in CNS related uh, indications. They, they had more openings for them. So, and I was doing more like renal uh, studies at the time and they didn't really want, they, well, they didn't really have a huge need for people with that type of experience. Hmm. So I felt like um, I need to get closer to actually what the CRA does. So that's why I made that transition. And it was a lateral move. I didn't get a single uh, pay increase or anything um, for that role. So I went over there and did that. And that was an in-house CRA. But the benefit of doing that was getting closer to doing what a CRA actually does, but just remote. Um, and so that's, that's why I did that. And I tell people sometimes you may have to go lateral to get to closer to what you need to do. Not everything is just going to be up, 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 up. Right. Uh, sometimes you do have to make a lateral move. Sometimes people even may have to go backwards a step to get to where they want to go. Um, it does happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
what would you say? Because that's something interesting you said about the in-house CRA and then the CRAs. They were wanting oncology or CNS experience. Do you think? Because as an in-house CRA, or even let's say like a project management assistant, do you think it matters uh, what therapeutic areas of expertise you've done studies for? Like as an in-house CRA or as a project management assistant? Um, because obviously it matters for a CRA or a coordinator, but yeah. do you think it matters because those roles seem to be just like more admin tasks? Do you think that like from your experience, does that actually matter at that level? What, what kind of studies they were? Um, I, I mean, I guess it depends on what your goals are. Um, you know, for me, my number one goal was to get to a CRA. So you know, if I could have done oncology studies because I knew that was in demand, I would have done oncology. If I could have done, you know, more CNS related studies because I knew that was in demand, I would have done that. Mm-hmm. But at the time, they kind of put you in whatever openings they had. And those were the openings that I could take that I could take. Um, you know, just going back a little bit, when I was in that contract role for a few months, um, I, they had offered me a permanent role. And that's the role that they gave me. So I took that role because that was a step up. Um, you know, it came with a, you know, a decent salary for, for that type of position, uh, great experience, wouldn't change anything about that. It's a great, great role getting in on the project management side. Um, it's kind of, I'd say it's, it's kind of rare unless you get these kind of opportunities. Um, cause a lot of people start as a CTA on the clinical side. And I felt like I had way more breadth of experience and a better foundational knowledge of how all the different units like data management, uh, biostatistics, how all that stuff kind of works together for the uh, project team uh, being on the project management side. So if you're, if you're given the option, I definitely would go project management to start, but it can be harder going back clinical after that. So, right. the, you know, there's, there's pros and cons with everything, Dan. As you yeah, know, of course. Of course. It's, I guess it all depends on uh, like what you want to achieve because I tell audience members all the time, look, Yes, you can. they always ask, is it possible for me to X, Y, Z? And I'm like, yes. And more often than not, the answer is yes. But you got to figure out what it is that you want to do. You have to figure out the, the pathway because you can do a whole bunch of things. And there might be a shorter path to one, you know, to one outcome than another. Uh, so you have to, like, really inform yourself about all those different options that are out there. Exactly. And that's one of the great things about this industry in general is there are so many opportunities. There are so many options once you get your foot in the door. Um, you ever, uh, you ever worked, uh, I would guess not, right? You n- ever worked at a site? No, I've never worked on the site level. No. But as a CRA, you've, mon- you've monitored. Yeah. Yeah. As a CRA. Um, I'm actually at the sponsor level now. So I'm not even at CROs anymore. Um, Which one you like? Too. Yeah, let's talk about that. Which one you like better? You've done CRA for CRO and for sponsors. Which one do you like better? All right. So me, so me personally, I like the sponsor level way better. Um, f- a few reasons: the pay and compensation is typically better than the CRO. Um, they run you into the ground less because you got to understand the CRO <laughs> business model. They're not they're not getting paid from the sponsor unless <laughs> your CRAs are out there on the road monitoring. Yep. Um, so that's just how it goes. So that's why it seems like the CROs are constantly pushing you to do visits. Um, I hated always having to do those time cards at the end of every week. Um, and for my CRO folks, you know what I'm talking about. Um, I hated, I hated always having to do that and feeling like if I wasn't monitoring that week, um, or didn't have any visits scheduled that week, I was just, you know, kind of nothing. Um, you'd always have to figure out a way to hide your hours. And I hated that. 
But again, I only took the sponsor opportunity I had because they offered me a CRA uh, job. Um, it's hard to get a CRA job, you know, applying blindly if you're not in a training program. But they offered it to me, so I took it. You know, uh, you, I'm not. Com- you can't complain about that when you're given an opportunity that's kind of rare. Yeah. Why? Why did they offer it to you? Were you? This was so. This was the sponsor. You were the CRA already for the CRO, right? I was an in-house CRA. Oh, you were in-house CRA. I got you. Yeah. I got you. So I got you. Basically, well, I know I know some of the things like kind of backhanded now. I would probably share that off camera. But um, <laughs> base, basically, I shadowed a couple CRAs at the CRO I was at, and so I kind of put that on my resume too, and talked about that during the interview process. Um, I always recommend you don't lie on your resume, but you can uh, kind of embellish a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so if if you've gone and shadowed one visit, you can say you shadowed five. You could say something like that, but don't say you've uh, you know went and shadowed ten visits if you haven't even been one. Um, right, so, or don't then, put senior. I always tell people, you know, like <laughs> embellishing. Everyone embellishes a little bit. I mean, it's that's advertising. You know, exactly. you're only focusing on the most positive outcomes possible. Um, everybody knows that. But to lie, I, we got people on LinkedIn putting senior CRA. They're actually putting my CRO on there because they see it from YouTube. And so they huh. put that there. And then they ask me for help. And I'm like, how are you a senior CRA? First of all, there's only two senior CRAs in my company. That's me and Chris. So how are you? How are you a senior CRA? You're not a student because they put intern. They always put quality assurance intern. So I don't know what's going on with you. And they they took it off. But people like they think that you're gonna like be able to hide during the interview. Like they're not gonna ask you things that's expected of a senior CRA. You got to be kidding me. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're really cracking down on it now. Apparently, there was a lot of fraud going on. Um, and I know company I work for now, they're really cracking down on, on the frauds. Yeah. Um, so don't lie. You can get blackballed from this industry quickly if you're known as a liar. And recruiters talk, hiring managers talk with each other across companies. So don't yep. think you're fooling anybody by lying and, and doing all that stuff. So it's just not worth it. Put your time in. You'll be here before you know it and you'll be ready to, to get to that next level um, and before you know it. That's right. So what what's the... Um What's next for you? How long have you, have you been a CRA now? Uh, going on four years. Wow. Okay. I love what's, uh, what's next because you're you're ambitious. You're always pushing. That's what I like about you. What What do you have on your well, radar? I think CRA is it for me. I don't I don't see myself going any higher than that because, okay. because I mean CRAs make great money. Um, the The thing I love most about it is the freedom. So when I'm not traveling, I can do other things. Uh, I can do YouTube. Um, <laughs> you know, I can just chill. I can, uh, you know, go visit people. I can work on real estate. I do that a lot now too. So um, I love the freedom, and that's not true of other jobs. Like, for example, a project manager, they're in meetings all day. How can you do anything? You can't do anything else if you're in meetings all day. You can't wow. have any any other in- interests. Um, you can't do anything else. So I, I love the freedom I have. I love being able to, you know, not show up to meetings because I'm traveling to a site. I love that. Um, cause I hate meetings. I love, <laughs> <laughs> I love, you know, doing Sunday fun day in, in Brooklyn, New York, uh, just because I have a, a visit on Monday 
you know, I, I just love the lifestyle of being a CRA. So that's pretty much what it's going to be. And I'm just going to, you know, write it until the top of the salary chain. Yeah. And, uh, are, are, you, gonna... are you close to that? Uh, um, no, I can, okay. I, I, there's definitely some room for improvement here, but yeah, um, I've, I've really enjoyed the company I work for. They do have a lot of great perks. Um, like I said, it is a sponsor hmm. and, you know, I really wouldn't recommend people to work for the sponsor early in your CRA career because they do pay well and you want to get there. And if you're going to stay there a while, you want to get there at the top of the salary chain. So you really want to come in at a senior CRA level um, if you're going to work for a sponsor, if you can. Sometimes you can't avoid it, um, but like I couldn't avoid it. But I really would recommend people to get there um, to, to a sponsor to a sponsor kind of later in their career. Uh, just because the pay is well, the benefits are great. You're not going to want to leave. Um, wow. You're not going to want to leave that fast. I see. But there. but why why not like from the beginning a uh, sponsor? Because that's uh, I I hear from others they're saying the same thing. Uh, sponsor way better than CRO as far as CRA is concerned. So why not like from the beginning with a sponsor? The reason why you don't want to do that from the beginning is because not a lot of people leave. So there's not enough opportunity to grow unless the company grows. Ah, I see. So they like it so much. I got it. Uh, no, yeah. People up the chain don't don't leave mm -hmm. that much. So there's not enough opportunity. Whereas a CRO, there's a ton of turnover. You know, okay. it's, shocking, it's shocking okay. for a site to have the same CRA longer than a year. Or oh, less. yeah. Oh, Maybe yeah. Maybe even six months. <laughs> That's not the same at a sponsor. You know, <laughs> uh, you know I've been on studies where... I'm only the second CRA on the whole entire study. So, hmm. yeah. So that's why you want to kind of wait a little bit before you go to the sponsor. Get At least be CRA two or or something. If I gotcha. You, if you start from the bottom, and also they have longer requirements. Like for me to get promoted, I have to work there for three years. I and see. That's just to, that's just to go from a CRA two to a senior or a CRA one to a level two. Wouldn't work the, there at least three years. Wouldn't the temptation be like, okay, because you know at the CROs, I mean, they're consolidating. So we go from like six major CROs to like four right now. They're consolidating. But the the business model for CRAs was always work here until they piss you off and then go to the competitor for a raise, like 20% right. raise, right? right? Do the same thing. Let's go to the next one. You're basically going to have six opportunities in your career to do that work for all the CROs. Now it's four or whatever. Right. Right. Um, it, can't you just do that at sponsor also? Uh, no, there's not going to be as many opportunities. Like I was saying, the, the, CRO the CRO just has so much turnover and they're so thirsty for people. Like you should see my LinkedIn messages. Hmm. I can't, I used to tell people respond to like all the recruiter messages because you never know. Damn. <laughs> It's too much. I can't respond to all these messages. Hey, you know man. what? I got a good idea for you, man. This is like the YouTube one YouTube creator to another. And I want ideas from you too for my channel. Uh, go through your LinkedIn inbox. To obviously, don't share names and read them and react to those messages. Okay, that's like that's a good idea. I think it's a good idea, man. That's a pretty good idea. <laughs> you got endless content. <laughs> yeah, and you give me ideas. My idea to grow my channel. We'll go a little segue. We'll come back though. Okay. Uh, was do biotech stock videos. Number one, okay. because I like it. I, I'm actually interested. So to me, it's not work to actually review these companies and look at the stocks. I like that stuff, uh -huh. but uh, it exposes me to a bigger audience. And then a lot of those, it's already happened. A lot of those people interested in biotech 
where like I wasn't aware that you could be a CRA or you can have a site. So like they're coming into the niche from a bigger, you know, like the biotech space. Now you're getting into like research. Whereas if you just stick to just research, you're missing out potentially on that on that other, you know, slightly right. bigger audience. Right. So that's, that's why I've been doing that. And they're all related. Like I'm seeing this goes, this is actually not unrelated to what you were just saying about sponsors. What are you seeing as far as sponsors? Cause you work for a relatively big sponsor, right? It's not like a small, uh, mar- it, small market cap, right? It's, it's, uh, I would say midsize. They do okay. about, a billion in revenue a year. Okay, okay. One or two billion. So it's not like Pfizer that does like fifty billion. But, so uh, they're probably like a seven to ten billion dollar market cap company mm-hmm. on, on the low end. On the low end. Yeah, I guess that's low for pharma. But yeah, yeah. On the, <laughs> these biotechs <laughs> I review, they're like anywhere from fifty million to like I try to do under one billion for the biotechs I review because the stock has room to pop. Yeah. Um, so you're at a more established one. What I'm noticing on the long tail, all the small biotechs, they are um, all of them are outsourcing to CROs, mm-hmm. all of them. And I talked to three CEOs now on my other channel, the Clinical Research Circle. Uh, so all three have said they are at the mercy of the CRO, basically, and like they wish that they could be like what your sponsors doing. All they need is like a little more funding or one of their drugs to get approved. And they're done with CROs. They're done with big CROs. What do you yeah. think? Like, does your company actually use CROs for certain studies or like, how does that work? Uh, a little bit, but we have a big in-house, a strong in-house team and they've really been working on developing in-house. That's part of the reasons why I got the CRA job a few years ago. Do you um, think that's the norm going forward or that's rare? Like you're yes. in a, an exception. Yes. One of my best friends works for Merck. He got the same kind of opportunity around the same time. They're building in-house as well. Um, and Merck is, you know, that's one of the top ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think so. And the reason is the quality of the CRAs, no offense to you guys as CROs. And I think it's, <laughs> it's not all your fault either. Um, the quality of the CRAs <laughs> is not as good. Um, for whatever reason. They I work them too hard, man. I think that's just work what it works up to and yeah, and you can't really get a foundational understanding of what you need to do as a CRA if you're just constantly chasing action items and you know chasing yeah. the next fire and stuff. Yeah. And it's really a treadmill, and it's a shame. And then you know people are just doing the bare minimum to get the paycheck, and until you, like you said, they get pissed off and they go to a different company because they know that's what they're going to do. Yeah, um, you know so, another yeah. another controversial thing related to this. I like I like having these discussions. ECRG. It's so hard not to say your name. I gotta. <laughs> uh, at the CROs, another problem besides the overworked CROs, you have these, like I would say, five percent of the time. Thankfully, it's only five. You have these super ambitious CROs that do everything they can to impress their line manager. So that they can one day be promoted to mm-hmm. a line manager. But what that translates to at the site level is a complete jerk of a CRA. <laughs> they're they're going out of their way to find any little thing they can so they can make themselves look good. They put their own rules into it. Like we have one CRA that we're dealing with right now who's this exact personality type. The sponsor is cool. The sponsor 
like just do what your site does. We don't care about your SOPs. The CRA, he's trying to get promoted. He's like, no, no, you can't do it this way. I'm going to put it all in my report. So his report's probably like 20 pages long because he's trying to he's trying to impress somebody. But in the end, you know what my site's doing? We're like, hey, we got this patient. We've got two studies for this patient. We're not going to put them in this study because this guy, the, this guy is just like giving us too much of a headaches. And I, I think that happens a lot. And I think the culture that these CROs have built kind of incentivizes that kind of behavior in a way. I mean, you would know better than me because you've been there. But am I on the right track there or like uh, am I off? Is this just yeah, I, th- I, th- I think I think there's a lot of problems with the way the the business model is for CRAs particularly. But I mean, part of dealing with all that BS is why they get paid so well. Um, <laughs> with not a lot of experience, if you think about it, is necessary to get that that paycheck and the lifestyle. Um, so it's kind of a give and take. But yeah, I mean that's that's all the reason why working at a sponsor is way better. Wow. Um, we don't have all the the metrics. There's a lot of metrics at a CRO. Mm. Um, we we do have some. Um, but there's not, a, there's not as many metrics that I, that I'm aware of. And I think they just, they just care more about you. I think partially because they have more money too. Um, so, I mean, but you just see it in, in a lot of different ways. I think, yeah, I think I agree. I've heard the same thing. Quality of life way better at the sponsor level. I think one of the things is the, you know, a sponsor and a CRO are completely different companies. Like one monetizes based on site visits, like you said, as well as all the other tech stuff they try to sell. Yeah. And then the other one monetizes when they get a drug approved and they start selling it. Right. So it's completely different incentives, you know, a completely different business model there. Completely different. And, you know, these sponsors, they got a huge bankroll. They've got a lot of money, <laughs> a <laughs> lot, a lot of money. And especially I know the company I work for, as well as probably a lot of these pharma companies during the pandemic, they just made out like gangbusters. They made so much money. They made more money than they have before because their expenses went way down during the pandemic. Right. Right. Yeah. And they were this- just focusing on manufacturing. You know, they had no flights they were booking, no conferences, <laughs> no nothing. Yeah. So they, they made a lot of money during the pandemic. So don't get it twisted. <laughs> so, so what's the future of monitoring? Is it the industry is pushing decentralized trials um who's pushing that do you think sponsors are pushing that um like like you're talking about where um basically like the nurse or somebody will go to a patient's house yeah do it do all the study visits and all that stuff there yeah yeah um yes i do think that's coming for some indications um yeah that's actually a pretty smart idea but i think that i think what's going to come sooner is definitely more remote monitoring um we've kind of been pushed into that because of the pandemic. Yeah. And um, I absolutely hate it, Dan. I can't, I can't stand it. <laughs> and you can't go to Brooklyn anymore. You have to go on your, own, on your own diet. Now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, I can't stand it. Like I have a new site or a new study and the window is 26 weeks. That's half a year. The window is, so I go on site one day and I come back 26 weeks later and wow. everything in between there, everything in between is remote monitoring. Seriously? Seriously. Was that, put in, was that put into place because of the pandemic and then they just left it? No. I think that was put into place regardless of the pandemic. They're wow. trying to do remote slash risk-based monitoring. Um, and wow. so that's, that's just what the window is. And so there's a lot of data checks that the in-house CRA is doing. 
How do um, the sites like that? I think the sites don't like that either. No, 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 no. Sites don't like don't like that. Um, too many people hitting them up about things. Yeah, um, wasting time. Like Wasting, wasting yeah. time like i've already uploaded that or you know yeah now it's funny now that i moved here to arizona i'm gonna get back into like actually doing the work at a site level like coordinator and eventually train someone else and repeat the whole process but i got the opportunity here in this small town that i'm in to do it um but i'm looking forward to interacting with my cra's and uh, seeing, okay, is it remote monitoring or not? Luckily, so far, all the visits have been like traditional. Um, we're about to get our first study, hopefully, knock, knock on wood. But yeah, traditional, what do you mean? Like, um, like actual the, coming the, in like right. every six weeks, right? Like, yeah, that's what I was going to ask the monitor window. So, six to eight weeks typically, yeah, um, it's kind of standard. But yeah, twenty six weeks. I thought I, I thought I had I thought I was like seeing something. I couldn't believe it. Um, I hate it. I do remote monitoring too. Like as a contractor, I just have like three small projects that I do, and one of my sites won't let me go back because they're a big AMC, uh-huh. um, and they're in San Francisco, which is like wow, the last place. The whole country could open. The whole world can open, and San Francisco is <laughs> still going to be shut down. So uh, they're ne- I'm never going back there, basically, because the study's going to end. Yeah. But um, it's a lot harder as a CRA and as a court as a coordinator to do remote monitoring because if coordinator doesn't scan something, especially at an AMC, you're not going to get that scan during your visit. There's no way you're going to get that scan. If they miss it, they miss it. Yeah. So now it's an action item for later eventually you have like 30 action item they're all the same thing coordinator crc to scan documents so at the end of the day what are you doing you're be- you basically become an admin instead of being a CRA. yeah you're 100 right and that's that's the one of the main reasons why i hate it and i think sites hate it you miss out on that personal connection um there's a lot of things that cra's do uh just to fix mistakes before they even bring it to the coordinator and things of that nature that can be done on site um, and you can't do that with remote. Everything has got to be um, documented in some regard. It creates a lot more work. Um, I I tell people all the time, it was a lot more work during the pandemic than traveling, getting on flights and going on site. And I fully, I fully stand by that. I worked a lot harder in the middle of the pandemic than uh, going on site. So <laughs> even I was ready traveling for things. and all that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was ready for things to open back up for that reason. Um, so... When I'm sure you heard the news, uh, I know you heard the news because you did a video. Like I think this was six months ago, Thermo Fisher bought PPD. Yeah. So, okay, you have all these people that worked for the sponsor because Thermo is the sponsor, and now they're integrating with PPD. It's going to be interesting to see how they operate because they're a sponsor now, not a CRO. Right. So business model is not going to be the same as it once was unless they're adding the CRO business to it as well. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Thermo Fisher does not do uh, pharmaceutical drugs. They they just do devices. devices They do devices. Diagnostics devices. Right. Okay. So, I mean, unless they're going to be creating new drugs or they have a plan to or just going to operate PPD as a CRO, um, I don't see that much changing for them. Yeah. Um, 
the reason why I think they did it was they wanted to get uh, so Thermo Fisher. Besides creating the diagnostic, they actually the biggest part of their business is selling these kits, like diagnostic kits, to other drug companies. Right. So the idea is, if they buy PPD for their early pipeline relationships, like you know, they got these small biotech, small cap biotechs that one day could be mid-sized biotechs like yours, right? Right. And right. then they'll have more money. They're going to buy more things. So that's that That was the goal. But in a way, they're going to end up managing studies too, yes. I think. This is going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And if it's successful, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if more sponsors or at least like device companies don't do the same thing. Yep. I mean, and, and we only talk about predominantly the bigger CROs. There's lots of smaller CROs I've seen yeah. too, yeah. And midsize. So there's, you know, we typically only talk about, you know, the Cineosis, the Icon, uh, PPD, the PRA, Parkcell. Those are the big ones. And um, but there's a lot of smaller ones too I've seen too. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can go super long tail on that. It's like the top six, which is now the top five or four. They control like 85% of the market share. And then there's everyone else, probably a couple hundred others that do the long tail. And then you get to like Sierra, like mine, DSC, as we do like the extreme long tail. We do like investigator initiated trials. And hopefully, like one out of 10 be- goes to like an actual phase two. Uh-huh. Uh, but the long tail is, goes long. You're right. You're right about that. Yeah. So, I mean, just goes to show there's tons of opportunity in this industry. And so when you're looking for jobs, you know, Cineos, they're always going to have jobs out on Indeed or wherever you look for jobs, but you can look for those smaller ones too. Just do a Google search, look at Mm -hmm. a list, go on their website and see what kind of jobs they have open. And the great thing about working for one of those is you're going to wear many hats most likely. Mm -hmm. So you're going to get, you know, you're going to get clinical experience. You're also going to get some project management. You might even get some data management. You'll be wearing so many different hats. So by the time you're ready to move, you're going to have so much experience to bring to the table. Yeah. The only downside, though, is your pay might be a little bit less. But still, I mean, there's pros and cons to everything. I'm a big believer in small as the new big. And I think even for you, man, I know I know you want to be a CRA. You said you want to be a CRA rest of your career. I think you can do that. But I think like there's going to be potential opportunity at one of these small cap biotechs. And this is where you're going to have to geek out a little bit on science. Um, you you might get an opportunity to join an early stage biotech and get like stock options. And if you really believe in the science, I mean, you're going to be like one of the directors, right? So that's, that's something I think a lot of CRAs don't realize if they hone their skills at a mid to large size, whatever CRO or sponsor, even better if it's sponsor, mm-hmm. some of these small cap biotechs, they become megabytes. Some of them do. Yeah. All it takes is one drug. That's right. And all it takes is one. There's a lot of wealth. Um, The, I mean, I'm reading this book, Walk With Purpose. Um, This guy was a CEO of a small biotech and he joined another biotech. And after they already made it big. And so all the original staff were there. But they were like all millionaires by that point because they all got like bonuses, stock options. So I really think small is the new big. There's something there with the biotechs. Yeah, you're right. And the interesting thing is like these mega companies, they have so many molecules like just in the database. Mm -hmm. Um, Just as an example, 
I want to say this without giving it away too much, but the current, I'll just say I've worked for a company in the past or currently that um, bought one of these molecules and, and the whole company was based on one of these closeted molecules from one of the big pharma companies, the whole company. And so they created billions of billions of dollars from a throwaway molecule <laughs> from a, a huge company. And that's yeah. all I'll say on that. Isn't that so, crazy? It's crazy. It's crazy. It it's happens crazy. all the time. I'm in a situation like that with the IIT I was telling you about that we're doing. A big pharma owned that IP. They sold it to the small biotech. And we're kind of lucky. It hasn't, it's not official yet, but that's their own, that's the small biotech's only drug now. And really? we've been we've been the CRO on the pilot study, so they're already talking to us about okay, how do we plan the next study? So this stuff happens all the time, especially yep. like right now, twenty twenty one and beyond. This is gonna you're gonna be seeing more of those. Yep, yep. So yeah, interesting times we're in. <laughs> yep, <laughs> absolutely. Times. So what's co- you want to talk more controversial as we wrap up, or we went controversial enough? Uh, we went controversial enough. I mean, <laughs> just I mean, I was really just talking about. Um, the remote monitoring. And obviously we know that's coming in the future. And I think pretty much every study now, any new study is going to have some kind of contingency plan, even if it's traditional monitoring to if there's another pandemic or another spike or something like that, or anything Mm -hmm. else that could happen, how to uh, do the trial remotely or how to monitor it remotely. So that's that's going to be in every protocol going forward. I'm sure you guys have, because now for those watching in the future, it's end of July, 2021. There's a Delta variant right now. People are worried about that. Are you guys talking internally about that? Like what, um, what's the strategy and all that? Yeah. So, I mean, CRAs don't go into the office usually, but for the office employees, um, they're looking at uh, sometime in September to bring everybody back. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. So, they're hoping that the uh, peak of this Delta variant is going to be in the summer and then by the fall. Well, they haven't even addressed that, really, oh, okay. the Delta variant. Um, they're just basically going off the CDC guidelines. So, if CDC says, hey, look, don't have people, you know, a bunch of people together, then they'll probably close back the office again. It's like crazy, I said, man. Even the vaccinated may... getting it. So this is uh, insane. Insane. Yeah, I don't want it. I don't want to be near it. I don't want to be around it. So <laughs> have you had, did you have COVID? I had COVID. No, I didn't have it. Yeah, I had it. It was uh, me and my wife had, I got my wife sick. She got mad at me. <laughs> how was How was it? Uh, for me, it wasn't that bad. You know, I didn't even know I had it until she, she tested herself because she was feeling like a little strange. And Mm -hmm. as we were waiting for the, uh, it took a day to get the saliva test back or two days. Um, when I really started like paying attention, I was like, I can't smell. I just realized I couldn't smell. And then I had like chills, but I just thought it was because like I just exercised and showered and when I, I was like rationalizing why I have chills and, but then when the smell, then I was like, Oh shoot, I think I had it. And then the next day, and then she had the symptoms the next day, hers was positive, And then mine came like two days later, but I already knew uh-huh. <laughs> when hers was positive. I already knew mine right. was positive, but yeah, I mean, I joined a study actually with Dr. Hazen. Um, she put me on azithromycin and hydroxychloroquine and, I, I know those things are controversial, but like I felt instantly better when I took that. It worked really instantly, man. Like I was towards the fifth day, sixth day, uh, the symptoms got a little worse. And I don't know if it was mental because I knew I had it at that point. Yeah. yeah. But I was like lethargic. 
I didn't really want to. I was getting tired like at 4, 4 p.m. I was wanting to sleep. So she said, hey, go to the pharmacy, pick these up. You're in a study now, compassionate use. So I took it, man, in an hour, like I felt not normal, but I felt way better. Wow, that's crazy. That is controversial. <laughs> it is. We could get controversial. I, I did a video on it. I mean, at least for me, you know, they haven't done enough studies. And this is why they're doing the study to see if it works at scale. Um, she's since switched to ivermectin. So okay. maybe for me, it worked, but the data was showing maybe for the majority of people, it didn't. I don't know, but I can only speak for myself. I felt better like right away. I mean, it could have been placebo, I guess. It could have been, but I don't know, man. I literally <laughs> like felt my nose way like clearing. Wow. Within an hour, I was like, wow, I could breathe. The smell didn't come back for like a week, but um, yeah, like I could like start breathing a little better. I was like, oh, okay, there's something here. Your your wife made out okay too? Yeah. Her symptoms were a little worse. Like she was um, way more fatigued. Basically all the symptoms I had, but a little worse, but it wasn't like bad or anything. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. Um, I know a lot of people who have had it bad and some people are still having symptoms months, months later. I know. I know so, some long haulers that still can't smell. That's crazy. It's crazy. So yeah, that's why I don't want it. I don't the, want it at all. The doctor, the PI of the study that I was in, she said that these drugs, the z pack and the ivermectin especially, they help with the long haulers because something about the gut microbiome the COVID will linger in your microbiome forever. But if you take these anti, um, anti-malarial drugs or like things like that, it's, it can actually kill it in your microbiome. So it will prevent you from being a lung hauler. That's her theory. Uh, That's her theory. Okay. That's what she's studying. Uh, and I'm actually still in that study. Okay. Um, but I'm not taking anything. I'm just in the study taking um, her vitamins that she has now. So it, it's an interesting times, man. This, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you that. It'll be fun to follow this industry and see. Um, but we'll end it on a good note. Okay. All this stuff, I mean, to put a positive spin on Delta variant and who knows how many other variants are going to come out. It's making the industry busy, man. It's really draining resources from CROs and sponsors to focus on these things. So it's creating a huge demand for workers in this space. Yep. So it's never been a better time to get into clinical research if it's, you're not. It's never been better. And also they should have a lot more money because they, uh, you know, didn't spend a lot during the pandemic. So that too. <laughs> so they should be able to hire <laughs> that too. Where, where can people reach you? Um, you can, uh, you, you can just visit me on YouTube, youtube.com slash elite clinical research. That's probably the easiest place to find me. If you have any questions or concerns, you can email me elite clinical group at gmail.com. Um, once again, elite clinical group at gmail.com. Any questions or you want to get your resume reviewed or anything like that, career consultation, interview preparation, we do it all. Um, and so I see it. Yeah, there. I'm on. I'm on your uh, channel right now. You had you had like um, shirts. They were pretty cool. Um, at yeah, one back, point. back then they didn't want me. Now I'm a CRA. They all. Ah, uh, there me. you go, Paul Wall. <laughs> you got the Paul Wall. You uh, exactly. exactly. <laughs> did he did he come after you yet? With no, no, not yet. Not yet. Uh, I don't think they're. I don't think they're famous enough. But that's really how it works, Dan. That's yeah, really how it works when you're not a. <laughs> When you're not true. in the industry, they don't care about you. They don't respond to you. But now, 
It's a totally different game. Now they all want you. It's a totally yeah. different game. Yeah. I think that's the goal for people. Get in. You're going to be in demand. And then look, start looking at these small cap. I think small is the new big, but I keep saying that. So enough, enough with what I say. Uh, listen to Elite Clinical Research, ECRG, a link underneath of the show notes. Um, great channel. You're growing fast, man. For last time I looked, you were like half of as much. Now you're at four four point one five k as of July thirtieth, twenty twenty one. Yep, it gets I easier. Th- like the more subscriber. Yeah, yeah. I've noticed that too. I've noticed that too. You've been growing a lot too. What are you at twenty k now? No, nah, like sixteen point one or something. But um, that's been growing quick because I used to take me so long to get a hundred. And now I'm doing it like in a week sometimes, uh, which is crazy. So I think it does snowball. The great thing I love about our uh, this niche too is we're not doing controversial content. So YouTube doesn't flag it or demonetize it or anything like that. I um, see. Unless you talk about hydrochloroquine a lot or something. But uh, <laughs> I did a few times. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, on my other channel, I was getting demonetized and flagged all the time. So I love really? it. Yeah, I mean, it was music promotion and stuff, so yeah. Oh, okay. Um, if, if people had samples and stuff, the record labels would come in. And, oh, yeah, they'll strike you for those yeah. things. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah. it's nice knowing that everything I upload is kosher and it's all original content and stuff like that. Yeah, awesome, man. Well, everybody go check out Elite Clinical Research, daily videos, resume reviews, interview prep, and just about like every week there's videos uh, from ECRG. So thank you very much. ECRG for coming on the show. It's still awkward to not say your name, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> are you ever going to like reveal yourself? Like, I just want to know, is there yes. plans for this? Yeah. When I'm on my own, like, so contract I mean, you act- like contract yeah. series. Yeah. Because I guess the, the ideal goal would be able to be a contractor and kind of use the ECRG brand um, kind of as my like, you know, company and I can build little offshoots, like maybe a site or something one day. Oh, you're getting into the site owner thing too. Maybe. And and you already know where I'm coming to learn from. I'm coming to your program. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I I learn from the best. I think you have a right attitude because um, you're not like a know-it-all. You know, a lot of these, I mean, you know, you could probably have colleagues that are, oh, I know everything about this. They don't want to learn anything new. So it's like, okay, well, you're not going to be a good site owner, I don't think. Right. Right. And in your case, that's not the case. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I've actually been really big on paying for information this year. That's a new goal of mine to, uh, you know, pay for information and self-development. I've been talking a lot about that on the channel, too. Like, don't be afraid to pay because it's really a shortcut to success faster. Um, So don't be don't be afraid to, you know, pay for 30 minutes of mine or Dan's time in order to get the information you want and talk about your specific situation. And mentorships, all that kind of stuff. Yep. Yep. I'm in a mentorship also. I paid for that this year and uh, it's been great. So I like it, man. Thank you very much. So link underneath the show notes. Thank you so much for watching, listening, make sure I should have said this at the beginning, subscribe to elite clinical research and then subscribe to me too. Did you know that 72% of you who are watching this are not subscribed? That's come on. What is going on here? That's like a travesty. That's crazy, but that's just how it is. <laughs> you, you, you might have a little better metrics. I don't know. Look at the analytics. You'll see, it's crazy, man. Just like, subscribe, comment, share. Uh, there's only like two main channels that are consistent in this space, and that's us two right here. 
Yep. So uh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. ECRG. And we'll catch you guys all later. Thanks, Dan.